champ is here. We will definitely not shut up and dribble. The champ is here. I must be the greatest. The champ is here. I'm going to continue to stand with the people. The champ is here. I will, I will not, not, not lose. lose. Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you are here with we. My name is EJ, and I got my man. MH. Yes, he's the DB of the show, and we are black in sports, giving a voice to the culture that won't shut up and dribble. Here, interviewing the best professionals in the game and in the boardroom, covering it all, laughing it all, while providing a platform to be heard. So you know what we do around this time, and we have to welcome our guest, who, who let us know it's, it's been a time in the making, but it's on divine time, so we're happy to have her. She yeah. is a legal sports media executive, unapologetically bold, and she's a professional gym dropper, so I hope you got your pen and pad and ready to take some notes, okay? <laughs> We're about to go in, all right? A two-time HBCU grad. Please, 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 let's clap it up for S.A. Igadosa. Please clap it up, clap it up, clap it up. What's up? I'm so <laughs> up, happy man? to be here, finally. <laughs> right, right. Well, how we start the show is we start the show with a shoot your shot, okay? So, I mean, you have a plethora of things, right? But we need, like, that singular, like, hmm, shoot your shot moment, right? Well, you went for it all, bet on yourself. Now you could have fumbled it back. You could have, you know, it could have been a win, but give us that shoot your shot moment. Go. Oh my God. I've been shooting my shot my whole career. Um, I mean, I think my biggest uh, shot was, uh, you know, leaving the Panthers to work with Brandon Marshall and be president of House of Athletes. So um, I had to one, convince him uh, that I was the right person uh, for the job, but also, you know, leaving something as stable and amazing as the NFL. Mm -hmm. I feel like I shot my show. I shot my, I shot my shot with myself. Mm. Cause it was more so like I was betting on me, you know what I mean? Like I was like, I say, what you going to do? Um, (laughs) and so, yeah, it was, I, I don't know if I fumbled the bag. I think I did some pretty dope things. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't be here today without that that shot. There it is. Right on. I, and I agree. I think you did some some great things. Where did uh, your love for sports start? Um, I played sports my whole life. So played volleyball and basketball uh, up until high school. Played basketball my freshman year, and I was like, this ain't even really fun. Like the games were fun. But practicing for basketball, if you guys played it, as you know, is not fun to me. Um, And I was just better at volleyball. So, um, you know, fell in love with volleyball. And then I think through that, uh, you know, I was always around the football guys because we share the same season. Um, And so I just love all things sports. Um, I've always kind of wanted to be a star. And, you know, I was always intrigued about anything on television. And so sports um, was obviously one of those things. Uh, and so I knew if I was going to be a lawyer, it would have to have been, you know, in the sports and entertainment industry, because that's really the only thing that can keep my attention uh, long enough to draft a contract or have a conversation with people I don't really care about. <laughs> so let's get a little bit into your your, your volleyball career. And we'll start at, uh, at in high school as the uh, as a distinguished alum of Center High School. Uh, what was that like? What, what, what was that like? Uh, your, your, your volleyball career there? You know, um, our school did what we weren't known for, for, for volleyball at all. Um, I think they were better before I got there. Um, just like they were just kind of had a better program. Um, so by the time I got there, um, a lot of the like taller, like, you know, really like volleyball players had left. So I kind of became like the instant star out of, you know, uh, my freshman year, um, the bat. There's no no waste of time. We, uh, it's the star off the bat. Ninth grade. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> of course. <laughs> I was tall. I could jump out the gym back then. I was super athletic. Um, but I loved it. I feel like, um, you know, I was very comfortable in white spaces, and I was one of the only black girls on the team. We all the team. A lot of the teams we played were, you know, um, majority white teams. But I think growing up Catholic, I had been around a lot of white people because some black people just didn't grow up being comfortable around black people Mm because if you didn't grow up in mixed spaces um I think playing a sport like volleyball would have been hard Mm -hmm. but I loved it I loved 
you know, the football team used to come to my games uh, after practice and they would all be still in their cleats and making signs. And they called me a uh, Nigerian nightmare. I'm from Kansas City. So it's a, a ode to um, Krishna Koye, uh, but then also like to call me the beast. So like, I loved it. I, I really did have a good time with my high school career. Um, I, I, I didn't know um, kind of like where it would take me. I thought at one point, I was like, oh, I'm going to go pro. Um, although I knew that kind of meant going overseas, but yeah, it was, it was a great experience. Yellow jackets, baby. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> when did you make, um, the delineation to say, you know, you're going to follow, uh, volleyball versus basketball after freshman year. Um, mm. I said, I'm gonna take one year off of basketball. I was like, I just want to take one year off. Um, cause I just, I hated yeah. practicing. I hated like all the running, and, all the running. Yeah. Yeah. Baseline. Doing suicides at the end of, yeah. Baseline. That, that baseline. I never get it was one practice where you know I don't know if they still do this but you know you gotta you gotta make shots to get off the line and everybody kept missing their shots so we were running baselines and suicides for like an hour and I was like we don't do this in volleyball so I was already kind of like <laughs> I loved playing because I love the physicality of basketball that I didn't get from volleyball um I love the culture I love like kind of being able to be cocky and talk you know volleyball is definitely more of a reserve sport like they kind of yeah. will tee you up if you talk across the net sometimes so I love that I got to get out my Nigerian aggression um I just hated practicing so I said I was gonna take one year off and then I just never went back <laughs> and, and, and I was I was getting really 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 good in volleyball so I was like okay I'm better at this sport um it's a shorter season I like the sport better um so let me go play this in college. So I kind of made that decision. Um, you know, I was like, I, if I'm going to play sports in college, I ain't trying to be playing basketball. All right. <laughs> and I look, yeah. to be honest, I look better in a volleyball uniform because I was like a little stick. So I felt like I looked like my brother in a basketball <laughs> uniform. And people knew I was a girl when I played volleyball. I'm just um, being honest. No, because <laughs> you brought back some memories when you said that, right? Because like I remember, especially, <laughs> don't do that to me, MH. I'm not. I'm just going to say, like, I remember volleyball season being in season uh, with football, especially in college, yeah. right? Because you're the first ones to get on campus. Like, no other people are on campus because you're reporting exactly. days and the, you know, volleyball girls and, you know, the soccer girls. So it was just, it, it made um, that transition and that tough time during two days a lot better. So I'll just... <laughs> Listen, <laughs> just... volleyball girls are a good time. Um, everybody loves us. Yes. And yeah, I was like always the ringleader um, for my teams, like in college and high school. So it was a, uh, I loved it. It's the best sport. Just kind of by coincidence, I was just talking to my moms about Kansas City because we were talking about barbecue. So how was uh, how was growing up in Kansas City? Listen, um, it's such a great city to raise kids. I say that hmm. knowing that the violence is bad there. Um, but it is very uh, segregated in a sense. Um, and so while there is a lot of violence there, I grew up kind of in the area in Kansas City that kind of separates the inner city from the suburbs. So I feel like I always got the best of both worlds. Um, and my parents, I mean, we were just a middle-class Black family. Um, so when I talked to some people, I felt very rich, right? And then when I talked to some people, I realized that we didn't have that much money. Um, but I feel like I had a great, a great childhood. You know, we went to a very mixed Catholic church. Um, you know, I went to, my mom was looking back very intentional about the school she put me in. I mean, I had a realization. I kind of have had the HBCU experience for most of my life. I went to a black Christian school. Um, I went to a, a black Catholic middle school, grade school and middle school. And then I went to our high school was public, but it was like, 60% black and then I went to Hampton then I went to FAMU for law school so um but yeah I, I had I, I loved it you know I love the Midwest I, I didn't know I was country until I went to the East Coast I got to Hampton <laughs> and people were like oh you country and I'm like I I never saw a cow up <laughs> um you know like it literally is just a really good midtown uh Midwest city and like obviously the food is great um a lot of people everybody's just kind of nice um so yeah it was good. I so, love where I'm from. 
So you talked about the HBCU experience, but let's start with Hampton. So how did, because you spoke also about your Nigerian background, so it wasn't Mm -hmm. if you were going to school, it was what school are you going to, (laughs) that part, right? Um, That part. How how was the process of choosing ultimately Hampton, right? Because especially uh, your budding uh, volleyball athlete, you know, so how how did that transition and and give us a little background on that? So, you know, at first, my junior year, I'm like, all right, I need to go to like a big, you know, PWI. Um, I want to play for a big program. Cause again, I'm thinking I'm going pro and all these things. Um, and I think like my sister's a year ahead of me and she knew she wanted to go to an HBCU. And so um, I was kind of going through the experience with her on choosing a school. Um, and I had went, she wanted, she was wanting to go to Morgan state in Baltimore. So I went on her visit there that our parents took us to. And we kind of just stopped by the gym I was like, oh, like, let's see if the volleyball coach is here. So I met the volleyball coach. She just happened to be from Kansas City, um, Black woman. Um, so then she started recruiting me from there on. So that kind of really opened up my eyes. So I credit that to my parents, but also my sister um, and like just kind of deciding on wanting to go to an HBCU. Um, and then when Morgan State brought me back for an official visit my senior year, my mom um, she was like, I've heard about this like amazing school down in Virginia. Like we should drive down there. Um, and I was like, I hadn't heard anything about Hampton. Um, mm-hmm. You know, HBCU culture isn't big in Missouri because there's only one uh, Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, okay, you know, and I had watched a different world. I just didn't know that, you know, Hampton, that that was based on Hampton. Um, contrary to popular belief, it is based on Hampton. <laughs> uh, so, uh, the, the day after my visit, uh, she drove me down and I pull up on campus. Um, it was very different from Morgan State. It was gated and beautiful. Um, Morgan State is a beautiful campus, but it definitely felt uh, more safe and especially being so far away from home. Like me and my mom both looked at each other like, oh, wow, this is different. Um, and I, they just happened to be having a freshman dorm step show, which if you know about HBC culture, that's a big thing. Um, so the security guard was like, oh yeah, go to Holland Hall. Like you, you got to see like they having a step show right now. I was like, okay. So I didn't know what that was. I pull up, I had never seen a sea of black people and it's a, it's a positive thing and it's nobody's fighting because in Kansas city, a lot of times if there's a big group of black people, you got to worry about fights, shooting, whatever. So I had never seen that, especially with young people. Um, so I was like, oh my God, this is, this is like a movie. Um, <laughs> and then I went over to the volleyball office um, and uh, met the coach like briefly. And uh, he told me to send me, uh, Coach Lasser told me to send me my, uh, send him uh, my tape. Mm-hmm. And he offered me a full ride um, instantly. Awesome. Morgan State, um, by the grace of God, I still thought like Morgan State was a better program. Um, but they were like, oh, we got some issues with our scholarships. You know, we can only give you a half scholarship. And I was like, no, say less. I'm going to Hampton. Uh, and I think my mom felt better about Hampton. I felt better about going to Hampton, being so far away from home. So that's how I ended up there. Talk a little bit. I mean, my favorite topic is probably uh, college athletes. Like, I, I think mm-hmm. it's just super dope balancing the lifestyle of college and obviously being an athlete at the same time. I think it's a lot and people don't understand how much it is, but um, I guess talk a little bit about the, you know, student life and being a college athlete. And then talk about the recruiting process. You kind of touched on it a little bit and um, it's kind of like you did your recruiting or you did the recruiting process for yourself in a little, in a way. So I guess how does that kind of work? Yeah. yeah. It's, Go ahead. Uh, our, our coach was very old school and, uh, you know, needless to say, it was not like on the road going to club volleyball tournaments, you know, mm-hmm. recruiting for the most part. So I think a lot of his uh, players were actually incoming, like people were, you know, coming to him saying like, hey, and it probably yeah. was like, my daughter wants to go to Hampton and she also plays volleyball. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I, I think, you know, kind of knowing that definitely Morgan State definitely had more of a formal recruiting process. Um but I knew I wanted to go to HBCU. So, you know, I bet on myself, sent my tape in. Um, I had some offers, like, for some JUCOs, um, you know, in the Midwest. But, you know, once I made my mind up that I wanted to go to an HBCU and I feel like I could 
get the best of both worlds, play at a high level, but then also go to a, you know, a really prestigious, uh, you know, black university. Um, it was like a no brainer um, and literally the best decision I made. But I mean, I knew my tape was going to be better than probably most of the girls that he had on the team. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, uh, and I guess that's that's the point I'm like. I'm getting there. Like, do you think, I guess not a problem, but do you think that's kind of, uh, you know, into getting the better athletes, not, we're just not just talking about football and basketball, but talking about volleyball and, and yeah. track and swimming, all those type of things. Do you think that's an issue or you don't think it's, a, I think it's, it's gotten a lot better. Um, that was more so just who coach Lasker was. Um, you know, he really, he was an older coach. He actually passed away, you know, during my tenure in Hampton. So um, he was like very old school. So he wasn't. Yeah, yeah. And he also coached softball. Um, volleyball just wasn't a priority at Hampton. Um, so I think a lot of the other schools in the MEAC at the time definitely had more sophisticated programs where they were actually going and finding really good talent. Um so I think, and I, I know it's gotten better at Hampton. Like we ended up winning the MEAC a few times, right. I think before, uh, or at least once before, uh, you know, they switched over to, uh, I, don't, I think we just moved to the CAA this year. I can't keep up. Um, so I think it definitely has hindered uh, the schools at time. But you have to remember there was a time period where the top athletes that a lot of times were black, didn't want to go to HBCUs, right? right? So I think, like, they kind of, HBCUs kind of just assume, like, oh, EJ is really good. Like, he ain't coming here. So they're not even going to go after mm-hmm. you. Um, they're going to kind of, like, go very local. Like, a lot of times mm-hmm. you'll see HBCUs have a lot of local um, players um, mm-hmm. because they don't really, like, spend, and they don't have the budgets to travel to California and to, recruit. you know, right. to recruit. So a lot of times they kind of just, like, taking whoever wants to come there. Mm-hmm. This feels like so, that backstage yeah. episode of uh, It certainly <laughs> I am, does I Am Athlete where you were A hey, <laughs> You were letting Channing <laughs> Crowder they, And they've all, they've all eaten their words because Let's go Because you've seen it, it progress right Because at that, at that point Because that was one of my questions And I kept, we kind of naturally kind of slid into that right So I guess One how are you feeling Like I want to call it maybe the renaissance of HBCUs Right like people are really putting that focus in like i mean even chris paul is bringing uh hbcu class to two cities so uh, i want to say indianapolis uh, i'm not sure but he's definitely bringing one to las vegas so you know you see that and and these major companies are are, are, you know spending money putting money into this so how do you feel about that and like you said you said you said it takes right now it's not that way because those athletes aren't choosing or they're not recruiting but you said right now (laughs) <laughs> you definitely said yeah that. i couldn't understand like i mean that happened a lot of times on that show where it's like we're, we're not even having the same conversation because he mm. was like trying to compare hampton to clemson oh. right now and it's like oh. nobody oh. is saying that and like yeah. i think it's like it's, it's almost an insult to hbcu um you know advocates and or alumni to think that right. we're dumb enough to think that we're saying that our facilities can compare like nobody knows that or nobody thinks that um, what I was saying was it takes people in positions of power, i.e. Deion Sanders, i.e. Hugh Jackson, i.e. Chris Paul saying, you know what? I'm going there and look what's happened. So it's funny that the things that I said exactly are happening. Now, I'm not taking credit. I'm just saying this is exactly what I was saying is it takes one, it ta- but it, it also takes a collective. Like I think from a celebrity and people in positions of power, it only takes one. And you see that with Dion. But when it comes to the athletes, it takes a collective, you know? Yeah. It's like, you guys have, at the AU tournament, they have to be looking at each other like, yo, we all going to Howard. We all going to Hampton. We all going, like, it has to. Because I do agree that, especially football is harder than basketball. I think a basketball player um, can kind of change the dynamic. Like, if Mikey yeah. were to choose Hampton, because his mom went to Hampton, it, it, that's all that we would need, right? Um, it would be a trickle effect. Um in football, I think you definitely need a collective, right? Because it's all about the competition you play against. But if everybody decided, um, you know, we're going to, you know, the HBCUs, that conference is instantly going to be as competitive because it's the same talent. And it was just so sad to see. I love all those guys, but it was sad to see Black men not know the power that they hold. Like, I remember Fred Taylor saying, I needed Florida. And I'm like, no, Florida needed you, my brother. Like, 
You didn't need Florida. Florida needed the Fred Taylors. Like Florida needed the Channing Crowders. You know, UCF needed the Brandon Marshalls. And it's some. It was hard for them to like really accept that they're like, no, I, I needed the steak and lobster. And it's like, oh, honey, like you're. I felt sorry for them to be honest, because I was like, wow, like a lot of these athletes don't know the power that they have and that they hold. And they think they need the institutions to validate them and to make them better. And it's like, we've always had the juice, like Jerry Rice, like Michael Strahan, like, you know, like the, the talent is what makes the competition great. And if y'all banded together, if we banded together, we would change the dynamic of sports, but you have to buy into the idea that you have the power to do that. And it's very hard for um, a lot of, you know, especially that generation. I think this newer generation is knowing how much power they have. It's very hard for them to accept that. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. I think it's a little bit of that generation. I know that's kind of changing on the generation mm -hmm. that's coming up now. And, that is in school. Am, right? and yeah, there's a, mm -hmm. just it's just changing. There's just there's just a different yeah. way that I think an athlete thinks of themselves a little earlier uh, than what even we did in the past. And, you know, I, I graduated in 04, so it's around the same time frame. It was it's a little different. Right. Poli sci major was that was that what you're gonna do right when you got to Hampton right away? Yeah, so they didn't have a pre law major, so mm. I kind of just you know they were like, well, you know, these are kind of the you can do history major, poli sci. So um, I had always liked politics in general because um, my dad and my mom were you know really into politics, so um, it was kind of just an easy decision, and I knew that was the closest to like pre law track. Um, but I knew I wanted to be a lawyer, so that was kind of an easy one. And I, I enjoyed the topic. Nice. And then just really quick, and we're going to move on to kind of get more into like some of your career aspects was you went to fam. Yeah. How did that mm -hmm. decision come? And then was it a little different, right? Because the, uh, the school, the college of law is in Orlando, yeah. in Tallahassee. So it's not, you're one of the few people that know that. <laughs> <laughs> so so did, well I was born in but did you still get like kind of that experience how was it different how did you like it and then how did you choose ultimately fam so um somebody told me go to law school in mm -hmm. an area where you think you want to live and at that point I loved the idea of living in Miami I loved the you know I'm a summer baby I love warm weather mm -hmm. um applied to Miami didn't get in I really didn't study for the LSAT to be honest I was partying I took a gap year and I was partying and I sold cars, actually. Like those gaps, huh? Um, take, take, take a little time off. <laughs> well, well, something, something. something yeah. Um, and so uh, my, my LSAT score wasn't great. So I wasn't, like, surprised that I didn't get in. I also didn't want to take it again. Um, and so I was kind of just, I applied there. And I applied to maybe, like, one or two other schools. And I got into FAMU. Okay. And I was like, okay. Like, you know, so HBCU. At, at one point, I did think, like, okay, I've already gone to HBCU. So I can go to, you know, a PWI to kind of balance it out. Um, but honestly, I was, I got offered at North Carolina Central too. Um, but I was like, you know, I want to be in Florida, I thought. Um, so FAMU was kind of an easy decision. I saw that like the, um, Magic Arena was like two blocks over. So, oh, okay, I can do that and I can go work for the Magic or do an internship. Um, and it was an interesting experience. It, I definitely don't feel like I got the FAMU experience because we're kind of like the redheaded stepchild because we're in Orlando um you know the school wasn't doing great so it wasn't like you know we were killing it from like a you know bar passage rate so I don't feel like we got all the resources mm -hmm. um and I think a lot of people that went to family law school black people they didn't go to an HBCU undergrad so they like were like oh yeah I'm getting my HBCU experience and I was like oh honey this is nothing <laughs> like that like you know um and so I think also being a Hamptonian, it was kind of hard for me to like be a Rattler because I played against y'all for four years mm. um, in the same conference. Like I didn't like FAMU at all, you know, from like I'm, I was an athlete. It's different like if maybe you were just a fan. But, right, like, when you right. played against somebody for four years, it's like being a pirate is so much a part of my DNA that uh -huh like strike and strike again like it it took a while even now um i try to embrace it more because i want i, I have love for famu and mm -hmm. i think the more rattlers that i've met post law school um i've learned more about how great the school is i didn't love my experience at famu law um mm -hmm. and my my experience in famu law was 
um, kind of overshadowed by my second year was when Trayvon Martin was killed. And so um, I was working for the legal team or interning for the You're legal team case, at the right? time. Yeah. So that really kind of took over a lot of my experience. Um, like I was going to class and then rushing to go protest, rush, you know, like driving to Stanford back and forth. Um, so I don't feel like FAMU did a lot for me. Um, you know, they didn't help me get into sports. Um, they didn't really help me get a job. You know, Natalie Jackson was a Hampton alumni. Um, so I got connected with her and, you know, she's was one of the council representing Trayvon's family and she's still a mentor today, but I didn't feel like I got all the resources that I could have benefited from. Um, from the traditional but, you know, economy. nevertheless, you know, I'm proud to be a double HBCU grad and hopefully I can, you know, make family proud. There you go. All right. So jumping into what we call uh, in the game, you know, so this is really talking about your career path. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, you've had an amazing journey and you got a lot of initials and a lot of big names, a part of what you've done. Right. So just in, in the interest of time. Right. Because people, you know, go Google it. You know what I mean? But I mean, yeah. started off with the Vikings, NFL films, then NFL in New York. Right. So then the Panthers. And that's just kind of starting out, you know, before, because I want to segment it talking about like that whole process. But what I really want to focus more on is just people understanding because we all work in sports. So we know that mm-hmm. those sound great and we know what the shield is and we know what working for a team is. But people don't always know the grind behind that. So share with our audience some of the grind about what you had to do to make some of those things happen. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, everybody sees the glitz and glamour and the pictures with the athletes and the picture with the commissioner. But, you know, I took a very unconventional route for a lawyer. So intern with the Vikings. Cool. Like went up there with no money. Didn't know how I was going to pay for my hotel for seven weeks. Um, Kevin Warren didn't think to tell me until my first day that he was going to cover the hotel. So I didn't know how I was going to pay for the bill. Like I just went up there on a prayer. Um, I mean, it was like seven, eight weeks of hotel like that. But let's so remember, like, you, you, you've already graduated doing this intern. This is not like an intern during. Well, that was my second year. So Vikings was during my uh, summer between my second and my third year. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have no money because, you know, in law school, your, your check run out and you're just trying to make it through the summer until you get the next check in the fall. Um, and he told me my first day, he was like, what about your hotel bill? And I was like, oh, you know, I got it. I got it. And he was like, no, send me your hotel. I'm paying for it. And I was like, you didn't think that t- I almost didn't take this internship because I didn't know I was going to pay for my housing. Um, so like, that's a grind, but nobody saw that. People just saw me, you know, posting at the Vikings, you know, facility. Um, I took an internship after, you know, law school, like you said, at NFL Films. Nobody does that. Nobody takes internships after they graduate law school. I made seven twenty five an hour because I was minimum wage in, in Jersey. My parents, thought I was crazy they thought I my baby didn't graduate she's gonna be the first one to make some real money no I was like no trust me um got bumped to 825 because the law changed uh you know um in 2014 which was the tail end of the 2013 season um working part-time at you know Henry Bindle at Cherry Hill Mall um you know I'll I'll never forget one day I broke down crying because you know you work retail you have to kind of like clean the bathrooms and it was one day I was closing and they asked me to clean the bathroom. And I was like, I'm a fucking lawyer. Excuse my language. Like, and I'm cleaning a bathroom. Like, what am I doing? Like, I'm making minimum wage. I'm cleaning bathrooms as a lawyer. Um, so, but nobody saw that. I didn't post that, right? That didn't make the, the grid on Instagram that I was cleaning a bathroom, right? All you saw was me at NFL Films on Sable Way. And, you know, you saw me in Hawaii, went to Hawaii for Pro Bowl, didn't know how I was going to pay for that. I didn't have to pay for the hotel, but you have to put your card down for incidentals. Incidentals were $500 a night because this is a five-star hotel. This is where I was staying where the players are staying. I swiped that card. I think I had $500 total left on my, you know, credit card. They had to call the manager. I was like, look, you have to call somebody because I don't have it. I'm here to work for seven days. I don't have it. Right. Did I post that? No, right? And so nobody knows like the the struggle of that because we don't post that. We only post the wins. Um, and so I tell people, everybody says like, oh, I want to do what you did. And it's like, you don't know what I did. You know what you right. see. Um, you know, and I, I really feel like, you know, I, I had a lot of help along the way, but I got it out the mud. And I don't think a lot of people would have done the things that I did. And I, all of it was betting on myself. If I do this, I'm going to be here. I'm going to have an NFL email. Somebody's going to respond to my email. I'm going to be able, I'm going to be considered an internal candidate. Like 
all these things I knew, but everybody I talked to thought I was crazy for the most part, except for a few people that, you know, believed me, believed in me. Um, but yeah, that, that was the road. <laughs> it, it is, it's not well-traveled. Absolutely. So was your stop at the NFL office after films or was it after yeah. uh, the Vikings? A after, after, um, so Vikings was just a summer internship. And then I went to NFL films for the 2013 season um, as a, as an intern. Um, then I went back for a little bit um, in the summer of 14. And then during that time, I got hired full-time at the NFL league office in New York. Um, so the NFL really has like three, uh, league offices that they consider. So NFL Films, the league office in New York, and then the NFL Network. So um, that's the only reason why I went back um, after my internship ended because I was like, it's kind of getting me back in the fold. And once I'm right. back in the NFL, it'll be easier for me to interview and get kind of um, preference when it comes to getting the job. So did four seasons in New York at the league office. Um, and again, I wasn't even considered counsel, right? I was in this like junior attorney, like quasi role, oh, contract wow. coordinator, uh -huh. um, because I didn't come from a big firm and they only hired lawyers or counsel from the big firm. Mind you, I'm doing the same work that they're doing. Um, but, you know, I was fighting for promotion. I was fighting to be like junior counsel and they wouldn't do it. But again, nobody saw that, you know, people <laughs> only see, you know, the wins. Um, and I mean, summer eight, 2018, I had started, you know, I had already started the Black Engagement Network, which is the Black ERG. Yeah, I'd yes. done all this great work. And still, when I came back to the legal department, I wasn't good enough to be counsel for the NFL. Um, and and I'm, and I'm so sorry. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. just glide by that. Yeah, I don't like, either. Yeah. That's like, that's amazing, right? Like, that's oh. give me your flowers. I mean, so just please expound because some people may not know that. Like, you know, we've done the homework. We, you know, we appreciate what you've done. Mm -hmm. But like, please tell why that was so important and the timing that you did that. Yeah. Right? yeah. I think that's what's so significant about that. Thank you. So, um, you know, in the summer, 2016 or 2017, I always get those years mixed up. But, you know, it was a summer like Alton Sterling Pat, uh, got, got killed. Uh, Philando Castile and so black people were at the NFL were just like we were just in duress almost like you know we didn't know what to do um, and so we had already kind of thought we needed to you know have a safe space um, so I had started the process with a few others of you know creating the black engagement network which was unheard of at the time <clears throat> people were like can it be people of color can it be can it be diversity and I'm like no it's black, black. like saying the word black <laughs> At that time, because that was like when the Black uh, Black Lives Matter movement was, you know, really like coming about. And, you know, I, I had an executive say, when you say Black engagement at work, I, I think about Black Lives Matter. And I'm like, is that a bad thing? You know? And it was like, those are real conversations That's that crazy. I was having. Um, and so I did that. Next season, Kaepernick Neils, um, you know, and it's, the timing, I mean, you couldn't have written it, right? So it's like, we're just in our infancy trying to just convince people that saying the word Black is okay. And now I have to be the mouthpiece for all the Black people, not only working there, but the community, right? Like, I have, when, you, when we go home to the cookout, they're asking me, well, what is the NFL doing? You know, like, where do you work? Like, are you a sellout? Like, you ain't gonna do nothing. Um, I'm not watching, you know, I'm not watching football. So I found myself as a relatively junior employee, you know, I'm meeting with the commissioner. I'm meeting with, you know, EVPs, right? Telling them like what the NFL needs to do for black people, what questions they need to answer around Kaepernick. Um, all while like fighting for a little bitty promotion and legal, you know, like, so the, the duality of my experience at the NFL was so interesting, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm literally having more meetings with executives than my bosses, but yet, I'm not good enough to be counsel. You know, I was the one that told commissioner in 2017 that he needs to say that black lives matter. I was the one that, you know, that had that conversation with him that told them what the responsibility of the NFL is post George Floyd. What did they do? They said it, but we been have been telling them to do that. Right. Like the black engagement network have been saying what the responsibility, they just didn't want to accept that that was their responsibility. They wanted right. to stay in this, you know, easy entertainment space. 
And so, you know, that time, I'm really proud of what, you know, we built. And like, just to know that Ben is still there. And, you know, I met a young girl and uh, that, that started there and she just was raving, ranting and raving about, around Ben. She's like, oh, there's this group there. It's like, I'm good, girl. Like, I, cause I was checking on her. She went to Spelman. Okay. And I told her, I was like, you know, I'm so glad that Ben is helpful. Like, you know, I, I started that, you know, and that's what I wanted. I wanted somebody to have an easier um, onboarding than I did, you know, and not have that imposter syndrome. Um, so, yeah, I am. I am really proud of that. Let's go. So then, you know, we want to cover that just because we're, you know, in a time crunch. We're going to have to have you for episode. We don't have to have two episodes <laughs> for you. Um, so then let's talk about, you know, becoming the president of House of Athletes and I, IAA. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think like I knew it. Right. Because I think mm-hmm. that's where I initially met you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think so. while, you were, while you were at that time frame. But people don't understand like that was essentially four companies. And then you leave yeah. like your lawyer and create or run or president of four companies. So yeah. how did you get there? And then what were the specifics of the four companies? Yeah, I mean, I was, I was, I had started, you know, I had, I had known Brandon, um, you know, my first, in that time in Hawaii, my first Pro Bowl, he was one of the athletes that I had to get to do an interview. So I met him then and we kind of just stayed friends and in contact anytime we saw each other in New York. Um, and then, uh, you know, when I was still at the Panthers, I had seen like some of the business stuff he was posting. And I'm just really protective of athletes. I know that they don't have a lot of people that look like us or that look like them that also know the business that they trust. And so I would like hit him up like, what are you doing? Like, did you have a contract for that? Are you signing the NBA? And he was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and so um, for a lot of uh, 2019, early or late 2018, um, I was just like consulting him, like just kind of just being an advisor, like helping him, steering him and you know, looking over things. Uh, and then it kind of came to him. I was ready to leave uh, the Panthers and actually, you know, got an offer from Apple. And, you know, nobody wants you till somebody else wants you. And so at first he was like, oh, I don't know about you. And then I was like, well, Apple said, what's up? And he was like, oh, wait, 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 wait. Right. And so he was like, well, I want you like, come here. Um, and, I, you know, look, I was, I wanted to bet on myself. I've always wanted to be more than a lawyer. Um, I don't know if I wanted to be more than a lawyer to four companies at once. Um, at that time, it was only really three because uh, the the podcast didn't exist uh, when I joined. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it, it was me literally betting on myself, and you know he trusted me. I believed in him. He believed in me, um, and uh, you know it was just an opportunity. Even Apple like told me like mm, you should go there. Like that's just. <laughs> Like, we're not going anywhere you know like you're always going to be a top candidate for us that's literally what they told me Damn. And i was like okay um so you know i did that and um you know it was a challenge you know it was and then the pandemic like this is all during the pandemic right so pandemic hit in march of 2020 i left the panthers and came here in may of 2020 or came to house of athletes so right out the gate i had to navigate and we're we were a gym we were a fitness facility so we got shut down so I had to navigate employment issues, business issues, um, finance issues, um, all while, you know, still learning how to be an executive, learning how to be, you know, a president, learning how to work with Brandon, learning how to work with myself, learning what, like what type of leader I wanted to be, you mm-hmm. know, so it was, it was, I was thrown into the deep end and that's probably the biggest understatement of the, of the year. Um, but it was an amazing experience because I learned so much about myself. Um, I learned, you know, white people get the opportunity to figure it out a lot more than we do, right? Like, it's not often that a black person is hired um, with the grace to figure it out. Um, And I'm grateful for, you know, that opportunity from Brandon, for sure. Yeah, I mean, and I'm I'm interested to hear your perspective on dealing with athletes at such a, a kind of vulnerable time in their life and career. I mean, they're either trying to take that next step to become a pro where they can be, Hey, you're not good at this. You're not good at that. Or transitioning from being a pro to their next part of their career. Mm-hmm. And you're dealing with a lot of different emotions at one time, kind of just from your perspective, yeah. how is that process? Man, look, that's the most vulnerable time. I mean, even just if you look at the suicide rates, um, you know, um, the first few years after players, you know, um, retire, 
Um, a lot of them, they, they don't know who they are outside of football, outside of basketball, outside of, you know, their sport. Um, nobody's calling their name anymore, you know? And, like, they're very used to routine. I think a lot Dang. of uh, the, the struggle is, like, they don't have a schedule to follow. Like, they All get right. to just wake up, and nobody's telling them what to do, where to be. And I've seen that a lot where they just either, you know, some people, like, they just, like, they kind of maybe love it, and they're like, oh, finally. But a lot of them are just literally lost without the structure. Without the structure. Um, Brennan, uh, you know, has been one of, he was one of the pioneers. He was the first one of an active player to be, you know, doing television. Um, so he was just wired a little differently um, where I think a lot of other players wouldn't have been ready so soon after their playing days to like take on entrepreneurship at this level. Right. Um, but he had already been planning this, you know, he'd already been running like uh, at that point it was a uh, fit speed, but he had already had a few fitness facilities just on a smaller okay. scale before then. Okay. So he wasn't, you know, <clears throat> super new um, to the the business space. Although he, you know, he had a lot to learn, like we all did. Um, but yeah, no, they're they're in a very vulnerable. Even and, and a lot of times they don't know it. Obviously, right? Like, not like they're all saying, "I'm vulnerable right now. <laughs> I I need help. I need therapy. I need you know, I need an activity. I need a passion." A lot of them don't know what their passion is because right. their passion has always just been football. Right. Um, so it's a very interesting time, but. You know, I like to think that I, you know, was at least a trusted person for him to, you know, help kind of fulfill his dreams. Um, and I understood. I understood the business, but I also understood the athlete. Um, so, you know, everybody's not cut out for that. And I don't know if I really was because it was difficult. No, it's uh, I mean, there's so many layers to that. And um, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. So 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 just like a really quick recap right so there was the training facilities you know there was actually training people athletes right like getting them to the next level so maybe mm -hmm. like a combine mentality then there yeah. was actually a nutrition component right so you guys yeah, were so actually getting into supplements. That. yes yeah. because he lives a very he talks about if you ever follow mm -hmm. him on social he really talks about like his eating and, and that regiment during and in post right and then the podcast came in so um and, and apparel we had we had apparel oh, too so the, the first two right? companies were the apparel fitness and nutritional supplements gotcha, and then okay. you know around the pandemic time that that summer spring is when they kind of did the first season of you know i am athlete um with uh reggie fred and channing um so it, it was it was a lot they all centered around the athletes so we always saw the symbiotic uh, relationship of them it mm -hmm. wasn't always easy to explain to other people like all the things that encompass house of athlete and i'm athlete um but we always knew like mm -hmm. it's 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 everything that it's the athlete off the court off the field it's what they put in their bodies it's their life um it's how they train um and it's what they wear um and so I loved it because one, it stretched me. I was never interested in supplements. I still am not really. Um, I was, you know, apparel and fashion. I've always been interested in. Uh, his wife, um, you know, was already a, 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 a had went to fashion that. school yeah. and was a designer. Um, so yeah, it was it was interesting. There was never a dull day. But I get bored easily, and I can tell you, I was never bored at House of Athlete. There you go. All right, MH, you ready for the quick hits? I am. Uh so I say this is just kind of a couple of quick things. First thing that kind of come to your mind. Uh, okay. The wood or love in basketball? The wood. Nice call. <laughs> Favorite sport Hand, to watch? Hands down. Easy. I agree. Favorite football. sport to watch? Football? Football. Okay. So after I was doing a little research and I saw it was your birthday and you had your girls out and you had the girlfriend theme going on. So your favorite character from Girlfriends? Um, Joan, because she was a lawyer. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was easy. Just like, just like Maxine from Living Single. Like, right. Come on. Die. <laughs> so dinner guest here. Uh, dinner guest. You got four dinner guests. They're alive. Who would those be? Oh, that's easy. Um, Rihanna. Issa Rae and Michelle Obama and oh I have another one or am I the fourth no you you got another one um and Barack Obama <laughs> I got you all right uh you got to give a shout out to your top three barbecue places in Kansas City 
Oh, that's good. Right. Um, and we need so, some contacts too. We need a we need a contact for each other. <laughs> <Yes>. Right. Uh, <laughs> so I grew up a Gates a Gates girl. Um, mm-hmm. So Gates is always going to be number one. And is it still um, consistent the way it is? Because you know sometimes the fame like Gates is up there. Like I can get Gates. Oh no, sauce. it is. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, it is. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now, depending mm. on what location you go to, things <laughs> might be a little different. Um, but no, Gates hands down is always going to be number one okay. for me. All right. Um, I would say LC is number two. People don't know it's a little bit smaller, but that the hole in the wall sometimes have the best, you know, food. Um, and then three, you could say Kansas City Joe's, formerly Oklahoma Joe's. Have you ever been starstruck? Yes. Um, I think, uh, I saw Issa Rae at Super Bowl, and she's like my one of my idols. Um, and so I was like, I'm just obsessed with her. I think she's like the dopest ever. Um, Rihanna, I've never seen her in person, and honestly, I don't know what I would do. Um, <laughs> I'm not even proud to think of what I would do. Um, but I would say, uh, also, I think seeing um, Barack Obama when he was on his campaign um, for his second term, uh, you know, I was like, Wow. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he was just you know, being a lawyer, um, and seeing my like of African descent, like all the things. Um, but you do get kind of desensitized from stars when you're right. in sports and entertainment. Um, nice. but there's definitely some times where, you know, I mean, honestly, the first time I saw, you know, Commissioner Goodell, I was like, Whoa. Cause I, I at one point I wanted to be commissioner when I was like younger. Um so yeah. Is that still like is that still like a a, a goal or something that you no. would consider? Do you follow like no, I'm too wild, too bold. <laughs> um I mean hey, look, people talk about how much money he makes and that is too much, which I agree. Um that maybe, you know, it's just excessive. But he has a really hard job and uh-huh. I just couldn't imagine. I don't want 32 billionaire mostly white <laughs> bosses. Cause that's what he has. A lot of people don't know how the NFL is structured, but he works yeah. for them. He wants mm-hmm. to he has 32 bosses mm-hmm. and they all are calling him. Yep. Somebody could be complaining about ticket sales. Somebody could be complaining about their stadium. Somebody could be complaining about a rule and they all call him. And so like, I'm not defending his pay, but that is not a job that I, you know, that I want my mentor Kimberly Fields was his special assistant at the time. First black woman to be SVP at the NFL. Mm. Um, and so her being my mentor, like I, I saw the grind, like, she, they, they were working day and night, like, you know, had to fly here, fly there. Like, no, that's not the life that I want. Um, and I think I can actually create more impact being an outsider. Um, and, you know, I'm somebody that loves the NFL dearly. One, it was, the NFL was very good to me. Um, you know, the opportunities that I got, uh, but, you know, like uh, James, like, you know, I, I love her so I can critique her. Um, I love this country, so I, I need to be able to critique this country. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I love the NFL. I love football. Um, but I also love the ability to critique it factually because a lot of people critique the NFL and they don't know what they're talking about, frankly. They right. don't know how it works. They don't know They don't know the ins and outs. They don't know the politics. I actually do, you mm-hmm. know, more than a lot of other people. So I feel like when I critique it, I'm being fair because I, I truly know who's a decision maker on a lot of these different things. Um, so a lot of times people see my takes and they're like, I'm like, no, because you want me to agree with you. And you don't you're not factually correct, you know, and, and I again, like I love the NFL. I think a lot of people are lying when they say they don't like it's literally the best product on television. I agree. Facts. All right. So let's jump into the winner's circle. So this is kind of where you get to kind of promote or talk about, you know, what's next, what's coming on, you know, and we can kind of ask a couple of kind of you know, questions to see what you got yeah. on the bike. So what we want to start off with is you have some, um, you know, your, your creative juices and talents wants to be unleashed. So how much can you share about what you're thinking creatively coming up in the future? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't know, but you know, a lot of my work at house of athlete was creative. You know, I, you know, it was me, Brandon and Mishi that came up with the logos for house of athlete and, mm. you know, and I am athlete and, you know, so, um, I love that, you know, I love being on set, you know, I was the one that was helping get talent too. Right. You know, I was the one that was like, 
sending Brandon topics and, you know, um, especially like for season three, like, you know, it was me and him, you know, like doing this thing. Um, so I think um, <clears throat> I love storytelling. I've always been interested in storytelling. That's why like my current role, you know, I'm working for Apple Studios. So I wanted to learn of all things TV and film, because as you know, so much of sports is media now. Mm-hmm. Um, media is just taking over and right. It, it kind of like bleeds into every genre. Like right? you think about hospitals, hospitals, hospitals are sponsoring sports media, you know, like there's no media is like this conduit for all things sports. And so I wanted to learn that. So, but I love being on the creative side. You know, I've always said I'm more than a lawyer. Um, so I'm tapping into that one. I'm just learning the game, which is okay. very different TV and film in Hollywood. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm working on some things and, you know, I have a, I have a very unique perspective being a lawyer, but also being creative and the work that I've done, um, the projects that I've done, the players that I've worked with. Um, and so I want to share my unique perspective and I don't think we've ever seen the NFL through a black girl's lens. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, yeah. So, also that's, I guess what my questions, my follow up was going to be. So is it going to be, uh, stories around sports? and athletes and athletics and things like that yeah i I would love to tell stories through our lens i think you know nobody understands the black male athlete like the black woman right like y'all come from us you know um you you marry us like contrary to popular belief most black players are married to black women or you know have a family with a black woman and so um you know i think it's a unique perspective and also me i'm very pro player but i also know how the league works um, and I want to tap into that, you know, that lens. Um, but yeah, I want to tell stories. I also just want to share my perspective. You know, I'd be having opinions on everything. <laughs> so, you know, I might, I might wake up one day and want to share them. Let's go. So finding your audacity, focusing on your vision and, and building that tribe. Is that all play out into this creative role as well? It does. You know, um, you have to be crazy enough to think you can do it. Um, and, you know, that's one thing I commend Brandon on is, uh, you know, he was crazy enough to think he could do House of Athlete. He was crazy enough to think he could do, you know, I Am Athlete and turn it into what it is. A lot of people didn't believe at first. You know, we were getting eight views, 100 views. Um, and, you know, that's one thing I learned is like to be a visionary, you have to be OK with everybody not understanding the vision because that vision is not for them. Um, and so all the, <laughs> all the things that I, you know, that I want to do, you know, and I have a lot of fear, like, you know, fear of rejection, fear of failure. Um, I don't come from a golden parachute, but you know, one thing do you with have my imposter mom, syndrome since you're talking fear, like, I mean, cause, Oh yeah, yeah. always. I had imposter syndrome in house of athlete and I was working for a black man, you know, cause wow. you know, I, I wasn't some experienced executive. I was right. what, you know, 33 at the time. Um, 32. So, you know, um, and then there's people all around him telling him I'm not the one, you know, like, <laughs> so, um, yeah. And I still have it, you know, I'm at Apple now, like I'm HBCU grad. I didn't go to a big law firm and I'm at Apple and I'm working at the same place that Yale people went, that Harvard people went. Um, so I'm grateful, but you know, yeah, there are times where I have to look in the mirror and be like, you're just as good as everybody else. So, um, you mentioned the um, the Black ERG Collective that you kind of started that was like, so you created the ERG in the NFL, but mm-hmm. then you created a whole community. Yeah. Um, and that was while you were in New York. Is that community still going? Or is it something that needs a relaunch? Because, you know, just yeah. well, what, what's what's going on with that? Because I saw that and I was just like, oh, my gosh, that like the concept. As soon as I saw it, I was like. Yeah, that's that's money. It was really amazing. I think we struggled with um I mean one, it blew up. Like there was like mm-hmm. waiting lists. Like I, I mean, when I had moved to the um Carolinas to be with the Panthers, um, I kinda took a step back because I just wasn't in New York. Right. Um but um like there were like waiting lists, like ERGs that were like waiting to be accepted into the collective, which I thought was just so amazing. Uh, I don't talk about it a lot because I, you know, um I don't like taking credit for things that, you know, I'm not like currently like putting in work on. Um and it's hard because like I haven't been in that corporate space. Like I was at a startup. Now I'm back at Apple. So, you know, I need to figure out like what that looks like. Um, but I think it's amazing. I definitely think my vision for going forward would be to kind of move it away from the companies and it just be for black professionals um, nice. and not center like through the company. Like, you know, we were tapping into like your company's ERG budget. 
Um, Mm -hmm. And I think making it just a 501c3 where, you know, it's for all Black professionals and in your respective cities is probably like what the next phase would be. But I think the pandemic kind of, because we were very event-based as well. So the pandemic kind of hurt that because a lot of people left New York. Um, and then, you know, you just couldn't have events for a long time. So and those but there, there, there should be, there should be a revamp. I've had some, I've had some people in LA, you know, ask me about it. So we'll see. Awesome. The dis- and congratulations on this, the Disruptor Award at the Black Sports Business Symposium. What did that mean to you? Wow. Um, that meant so much. One, I didn't know it was coming. You know, I got a call from Brian Lockhart, who, um, when I was co-chair of Ben in New York, he was co-chair of the LA chapter at the NFL Network. Um, and so we, we we went through the trenches together during the times I talked about earlier. Um, I I did win a commissioner's award. We won a commissioner's award in 2018 at the NFL, which is like our kind of like company awards. Um, so I did get recognized, but I think the, the lasting impact, I didn't know uh, of the things that I did. And so to be recognized for, you know, um, the little legacy that, you know, I have in sports, um, it meant a lot because a lot of that work often goes unnoticed and often, you know, I wasn't paid for all that work that I did um, uh-huh. in the foundation that, you know, I helped lay. So um, it meant a lot. It really does because, you know, I, I truly wanted to make the NFL a better place for the, the Black people that came after me. And I know there's still a lot of work to be done, but at least they have a safe space to, you know, try to make it better. Um, but it meant a lot. It meant a lot just to be loved on and recognized. And, you know, Black women are not great about giving ourselves flowers, giving each other flowers, um, taking a step back to acknowledge what we've done because we're always looking ahead. Um, and so it was a good time and a good practice for me to take a step back and, you know, Say, you know what, Essa, you you did something great. You've done great things. Cause I don't do that. I'm always like, this, 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 what's next, what's next? Um, so it was a good practice for me. And I I tried to tell my friends, like, you know, we all need to do a better job of giving ourselves flowers and not waiting for someone else to recognize what we're doing. Awesome. All right. So we're wrapping up here. This is where we call um the assist, right? This is where you get to drop coaching gyms. And I mean, you, you know, mm-hmm. that's what you do is drop gyms. So give us, you know, a quote, words to live by or something you would tell your, your younger self. Oh man. Um, you know, I, I say this a lot, but whatever you're dreaming, dream bigger. Um, the dreams that I thought were big 10 years ago, I did five years ago. Mm. Um, you know, and if your dreams don't scare you, you're not dreaming big enough, you know? Mm. Um, I think also um, don't expect people, I said this earlier, don't expect people to understand or appreciate your vision. God gave it to you for a reason. And there's things that I used to tell people and they, you know, would be like, no, that's what you have to do. Like, no, it doesn't work like that. And it's like, yes, it does. It works like that for me. It didn't work like that for you. Or, you know, you're not willing to go have a conversation with the commissioner. I am, you know, Mm. and, that's why it's my journey, not yours. Um, and so you can't, you have to, you definitely have to have a tribe, but you have to understand the limitations of that tribe. And they're there to support you. They're not there to dictate or understand your vision and your past. Um, and that's something important because I think sometimes you get advice from people you trust and you look up to, but it doesn't necessarily match what your heart is telling you. And you're like, well, as they said, do this and she's done it. And, and I'm like, no, that's me. Right. So you can take it, but you have to trust your heart and your gut because God is going to put something on you that he didn't put on me and vice versa. You know, Um, so I tell people that all the time, like I may tell you that sounds crazy. But if y'all think Black and Sports podcast needs to exist, do it. If y'all think this is going to be the next big thing, do it. It's not for me to say, you know, I can only support you. Um, And that's hard because there's people that you love, that you respect, that you lean on that may not see it the way you see it. And I've had to tell mentors, I'm doing it this way. Mm. None of my mentors wanted me to go to House of Athlete. <laughs> They're like, you turning down Apple? You turning down Apple to go to House of Athlete with Brandon Marshall, a former player? I saw the vision, you That's know, for myself. Right. So 
That's what it. I tell people. I do. That's so, dope. The, do- the doors of the church are open, right? Now. I know, right? Hey. Big collection, you know. My cash app. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I always laugh when people like they they do that now. They like Absolutely. ask for cash app when they like mm-hmm. drop a gym. That's right. <laughs> All right, MH, uh, give us your final thoughts. No, I I think it's uh your journey is is super unique, and I know it's still building. Uh, and I just want to give you your flowers and and say oh, thank, thank you, you for for joining us uh, and, and sharing some of your gems with us. And I, there's some questions I want to keep asking you after, but we'll we'll, we'll wait on that. But uh, yeah, no, just really really. Y'all need me to come back. I'll come back. I like yeah. Y'all. We yeah, we, 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 we that. need that because like uh, I got I a page that. full of stuff over here. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, just for our listening audience, uh, please tell them where they can find you. Any social media that you recommend they go or if they. Yeah, um, you can always connect, uh, you know, on Instagram, unapologetically underscore essay, or you can go to Twitter, no apologies, underscore essay and LinkedIn, um, you know, as well. I'm there. So I love to connect with many people as possible. Um, uh, I do have an affinity for you know, black women that want to work in sports and especially HBC alumni, because I know that path is harder. Um, but yeah, um, I'm always trying to be, uh, you know, there for, for my people, especially that want to work in sports because sports did so much for me. There it is. Well, hey, we've come to the time and we're definitely going to take you up on uh, part two. Let's um, do it. Let's do it. But but today, I just want to just thank you again. We definitely want to thank big brother, uh, Shu, who uh, originally connected yes. us. And so uh, appreciate um, you know, this circle and this journey and you sharing your story with people. So I hope you, the people enjoyed listening to the show. Uh, you know, new shows drop every Thursday. All right. So please subscribe because visual representation matters. All right. Yeah. So listen to us on wherever you listen to podcasts, please stay safe, practice gratitude and know we're rooting for you. Screaming all us blacks got a sports and entertainment until we even... Assuming you're rooting for everybody that's black. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Yeah. 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 Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Spat out two racks on handmade new rags. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. That's everybody from sports to college class to rap and rap.